Welcome, welcome back, everyone. So I'm afraid you just got me for the next, uh, uh, well, 40 minutes or so. And what I want to talk about uh, is uh, the, using the concepts in my life. Um, and there are two. There are two angles. There are two angles for this, and and one of them really hooks into step three. So the reason I had to take step three uh, was initially because of my addiction. So when the thought of a drink would occur to me, because I was in charge, I was drinking. As soon as I wasn't in charge, the thought was just an alien thought. It's no longer my thought, it's a thought happening to me. But I've made a commitment to live differently. And in the concepts, uh, the idea is that it is God who is in charge of everything. Right, back of everything is this, this, this notion, where does it say in, in concept one, uh, the collective conscience. So my idea, this isn't, these are all ideas that were given to me, which I find incredibly useful, which is that there is a collective consciousness in humanity and maybe beyond humanity. Maybe the collective consciousness includes cats. I think it probably... Does. Well, they would say that their collective consciousness may include humans. But, but the, <clears throat> the point is, I am not, the, I'm not the, the beginning and the end of myself. I'm part of a continuum, a collective consciousness. And in the same way that in your home, you've got a, a, a little socket where you plug a device and you can contact the World Wide Web by plugging your device into the socket or using the Wi-Fi. But there is, a, there is a socket, and that socket has a cable coming out of it, and the cable connects to the rest of the world. And I've got the same thing inside me, this idea that I can access a collective consciousness through a contact point inside myself. And it talks in the big book about deep down inside each of us, there's this fundamental notion of God. And deep down inside me is the contact point to this universal consciousness, and that's my own conscience. And uh, I get asked a lot of questions by a lot of people, and I'm annoying people more and more and more. And I'm kind of enjoying it as well by saying, I don't know what the answer is ask your higher power. And I think everything ultimately boils down to that. There is some practical advice, some practical experience that can be shared, but it is down to the higher power. I was talking to a sponsee this morning who's about to make a really big decision uh, about career or something, or job or something like that. And I can analyse any decision to be the right decision if I try hard enough, and I can reference all of the literature to do it. You can find whatever argument you want to support any point you wish to make, any decision you want to make, you can find a way. So so the right decision cannot be arrived at by argument, because if you wanted to argue against yourself, you could. 
it has to be something else. And I do have to do some work, but ultimately it's asking, it's asking the higher power. And it's the higher power who has final responsibility and ultimate authority for my life, which is a relief. And uh, the headmaster of the school I went to uh, when I was 18 said that when I was 14 and turned up at that school, I was like a little old man because I was carrying so much weight which didn't belong to me. And whenever I feel heavy, whenever I feel tired, whenever I feel overwhelmed, whenever I feel frightened, I'm trying to carry the burden of something which is not mine. I'm not recognising that God has the final uh, responsibility and ultimate authority. I'm worried because I think I have the final responsibility and ultimate authority and I don't know how to stop the bad thing from happening. I don't know how to get my friends sober. I don't know how to stop the world changing. I don't know how to stop wars. I don't know how to stand up to public authorities. I can't do any of those things so I'm frightened. I'm trying to carry something which is not mine. And I was talking to a friend of mine this morning about a particular matter going on in the world. I won't say which one. There is more than one, so you won't be able to guess which one it is from that. And she said quite rightly that, she said, you're forgetting that God is in charge of all of this. God is capable of handling this. So I never have ultimate uh, authority or final responsibility for anything. But it doesn't mean I'm off the hook completely. So there is a, an idea that God has no hands but yours. So if God wants something done in the world, people will have to play a very big role, if not the key role, if not the total role in actually doing that. And it's no good me handing over and saying God will find me a job Unless I'm applying for jobs, I'm, it's very, very unlikely I'll be given a job. Uh, what trusting God, when I was very new in AA, what trusting God meant was asking a human being for help and saying, I have no money, where do I get money? And the person said, you get a job. I said, I don't know how to do that. There is, I can't do anything. And he said, if you turn up at this address next Monday morning at 6.30 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, if you turn, <laughs> central London, I lived way out in a suburb, so I'd have to get up at some unholy hour to be there at 6.30. He said, if you are there, you will stand in line. And if you're nearest, if you're near the front of the line, they will send you somewhere and they will give you things to do. And then at the end of the week, as long as you behave yourself, they'll give you some money. And what trusting God meant was getting up at five o'clock in the morning to be at that address at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, I was in an NA meeting. I I, I think I've only been to a half dozen NA meetings in my life, but I was in an NA meeting in Austin in Texas. Texas, arguably, Tom said, is a very different state. It's several states. There are several different types of Texas within Texas. But anyway, I was in Austin, which is a particular flavour of Texas. And a woman called Pookie, who I've never seen before and I've ne- never seen since, 
She said, oh, no, I won't do the accent. She said, you've got to take action to activate your faith. God ain't going to slide no hot dog under your door. <laughs> so I don't have final responsibility or ultimate authority, but I have delegated responsibility and delegated authority. And this idea of the waterfall with the different stages and the water coming down from on high and some of it lands at each different stage. And I'm a warrior. And it's said with certain uh, cultures which are uh, prone to neurosis, uh, that one of the theories might be is the people that got freaked out most easily fled soonest and were most likely to survive. It's one of the theories that goes around. I suspect that my ancestors fled a number of times because I have baked into my DNA the ability to look 200 miles further ahead than anyone else and spot problems that no one else has even thought of thinking about. I'm, in, I'm very neurotic by nature. I, I, I turn the tiniest of threats into real situations. I, I got an Israeli SIM card to be able to use Google Maps and WhatsApp when I'm out and about and be able to reply to clients and things when I'm not on Wi-Fi. And I was mentally fussing for weeks about whether or not it would work and whether I could get it to work without activating my UK data abroad and activating roaming and paying seven quid per, per megabyte. Now, I, I suppressed it 400 times because I thought, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to drive myself mad. I prepared, I looked it up, I wrote notes, and it worked. But the point is, I'm neurotic. Um, and I know how to handle my neuroticism today. And part of it is the concepts. So who am I? My identity, I'm told who I am by concept one. I'm part of a collective consciousness but I'm also I get to make decisions in my life uh, and that's where it, I, I don't just get as it were given decisions with no participation concept two there is a conference where decisions get made not in the abstract realm but in a very real concrete way actual real life dangerous live decisions get made by conference. And in my life, there is a conference. What is the conference in my life? There is me, there is my higher power, the relationship with my higher power. My, I've got various people I call when I've got problems or difficulties. I've got friends. My other half is amazingly helpful. I've got a sponsor. This is the conference. And I will hear the voice of God through the conference, which is the collection of all of those things. Then the decision gets passed uh, through concept three and concept six and seven down to the board. That's how it works in AA as a whole. What does that mean? It means that I go into operational mode. <clears throat> so in my, my, my industry, the industry I work in, is changing very rapidly and some would say very alarmingly uh, because of various things going on with technology. And uh, my income profile has changed and at the moment everything is absolutely fine. But I've got a 16-point 
emergency plan for if my income goes below a certain level and I need to adapt to a changing environment, what could I do to make sure I still have an income? Um, that is concept nine in operation. The leadership, there is a leadership role I have to take in my life. It's no good saying God is going to look after me and not taking the action I can take. So where the cutoff lies between God and me is God will do for me what I can't do for myself, but God will do for me what I can do for myself. What can I do? I can come up with a practical list, as I have, of 16 things I can do to uh, improve my income if I need to. And, and Bill talks about this, this, this vision, and vision is frightening. It was frightening to think through all the permutations, what might happen in my industry, what might I need to change in order to adapt to the changes in my industry. It, vision is, is it's important, but it's frightening. So that leadership, little leadership role where I've got a job to do, I, you see, naturally, I'm the sort of person that will spend the whole time thinking about that. So when I get a day when I'm only 80% occupied, not 100% occupied, part of my mind wants to say, how are we going to increase our income? How are we going to increase our... No, that, we leave that to the leader role. I'm not playing the leader role today, I'm playing the operative role. And what the concepts do as a system is they take the fellowship and they give different people different roles. Sometimes my role is simply to be part of the universal consciousness. Sometimes I'm making decisions. Sometimes I'm executing, I, I, I'm devising a vision for my life with God's help, but I have to do the envisioning. Sometimes I'm the board level where I'm coordinating all my different activities. So being the board, it's when I say, what am I going to do today? What am I going to delegate to other people? What am I going to do myself? What am I going to get help with? That's what the board does. But then I want to be spending... Uh, what it says is, is that the, the board has... Um, oh, I can't get to it. It doesn't matter. Um, the board has uh, staffs and executives and consultants and blah, blah, blah. So I don't want to be a board member all day. I want to spend most of every day being a quiet little operative, just doing the next right thing. And when I'm experiencing discomfort, it is because I'm trying to operate at the wrong level for the moment. Um, I... If you sponsor a lot of people, uh, well, if you are a lot of people, you'll <laughs> and sponsor a lot of people. Um, have you ever come across the phenomenon or been the phenomenon of someone who is in a relationship who is thinking the whole time, is this the right relationship? Is this the right relationship? Am I in the right marriage? Should I leave? Should I stay? Am I in the right job? I need to change my job. How should I change my job? Where should I go and live? Should I be living here? I'm not sure I can stand living here. If I carry on living here for another, you know, constant fussing at a really high level. Conference meets once a year. That's it. I don't want to sit in conference on my life the whole time. 
I want to spend the bulk of my time actually living my life. So I've had to become super disciplined about what I let myself think about because I, my natural instinct is to go into the leadership role, to go into the board role, to go into the decision-making role, or to think that I'm God and start, uh, this, start acting and thinking as though I have this final and ultimate responsibility and authority. And my feelings will tell me when I'm in the wrong role. What I want to be, uh, they say in, in, in a group of mine I go to a lot in uh, Texas, in San Antonio, um, which is, uh, you know, an hour from Austin, but a thousand light years away from Austin. Um, uh, someone there talks about being another bozo on the bus, just another bozo on the bus. Uh, so when I read the news, those problems that I read about are not mine to solve. My anxiety about them is predicated on the idea that they're somehow my problem to solve. When I was talking about this particular issue in the world, my friend said this morning, she said, you know, a lot of government offices are concerned about the same thing. And lots of people are looking at ways of addressing this. You are aware you're not the only person that spotted this. Aren't you? <laughs> I will feel like I'm literally the only person that is aware that everyone... This, this was... I talked about the zombie thing. Being the, the only person that is alive and awake and everyone else is asleep and crazy. And No, they're not. Some people are. But there are some smart people who are paying attention. And trusting God means that things will right themselves eventually. Uh, so my, my country, I don't really think of it as my country. The country which technically is the one I'm a national of. Let's call it that. Uh, I feel, my mother's French and I feel more French than I do English on occasion. But my country's gone through a lot of uh, political turmoil the last few years. I mean, nothing to Ruritania or where, wherever we are here. <laughs> um, Remulac. Remulac. That sounds, like, that sounds like a planet in the Vulcan star system or something. Um, it's a small town in France. It's a small town in France. Um, and my, one of the things my sponsor said is that it goes in waves. Things, goes in, things go in waves where they become more unstable than they re water finds its own level, things find their own level again. Uh, at school, we had to do rowing, and when you were a very novice rower, uh, they, they had these little white plastic boats, which you couldn't drown in, because if you accidentally capsized yourself and ended up upside down, they'd flip back up, so you weren't underwater. Uh, whereas with other boats, you, could, you, you can be capsized and you have to be a little bit skilled to get yourself out of that. And I've discovered, uh, I think the world is like that. That's an outside opinion, maybe. But my life is like that. There is a limit to how much I can F it up. There really is. If I put myself in God's hands, it writes itself. And in unexpected ways. So God has the final responsibility and ultimate authority here but concept four i have right of participation and a duty of participation uh 
to the extent that I have the ability to think, to that precise extent do I have a responsibility to think as well. And, ooh, am I going to be controversial? I don't know. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, yeah, no wonder if you're in trouble, that might be why you'd you love the controversy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so I sponsor an AA, I sponsor an Al-Anon, and I sponsor in the S fellowships as well. Those are the three. Those are the three areas, and uh, the the AAs want to. They just make catastrophic decisions on their own, and then afterwards they phone up. They'll say like, "So I've robbed the bank. <laughs> I'm I'm now in the vault." I've got the money in the bag and I can hear sirens. How would I apply the programme in this situation? Or I've just left my wife, what should I do? Um, I've just uh, surreptitiously, without asking anyone, started taking some very strange medication, like... After the decision is made, then the discussion is had. That's interesting. The interesting thing, I don't care about the medication. What's interesting, making the decision without talking to anyone and then talking about... Uh, that's the interest. It's not the content. It's the order in which the things happened. That's, that's your addict alcoholic, in my experience. And I, I, I identify with all, all, of, these, all of these aspects with the uh with the anons i can tell that someone is an anon because of the habit of taking a completely unprocessed situation knocking on your door vomiting it on the <laughs> carpet just inside the front door and then looking up at you to say so what are you going to do about this then like it's, it, it's like a cat that has brought in a half-dead mouse, like it is a gift. This is not a gift. And it's like, you're my sponsor. Aren't you supposed to help me with this? Well, maybe, but did you try thinking of... Did you try thinking it through at all? Did you try applying a principle of the programme? Maybe. Um... You know, it's a very common thing. Well, someone will say, I've got a fear. Have you? Have you read, have you read the bit? And this is, now, this will be some... When someone's new, it's different. They don't, people don't know anything about the programme. This is the opportunity to say, well, in the programme, we, this is how we handle fear. Very good. And so you give them the page numbers. Um, and the, oh, by the way, don't tell them to read it. Tell them to read it four times with breaks in between. Because the first three times it won't be read. The fourth time it might go in. Anyway, back to the point. The point is you know, people 10, 15 years sober. I have a fear. What do you think? And the AA programme proper starts on page 63 of the big book. And by page 68, it's covered everything you need to know about resentment. Everything you need to know about assessing your own contribution to the situation with the questions on page 67 it's covered uh, fear comprehensively on pages 67 to 68 you're like five pages in 
This is not hidden in the uh, uh, restricted section of the Hogwarts library. You don't need a special key to find this. It's not written in ancient Syrian. It's, it's, it's in plain language in the introductory pages. And it's so common for people to just to not take responsibility and to try to give you the responsibility. And, and I will sometimes do that with the higher power. I will sometimes do that with a sponsor. I'll sometimes do that with a friend. Not taking responsibility for the thing that I can do. So right of participation is a duty of participation too. I have to take part in my own recovery. And what I find works really well is if, if I take the tools that I have to a situation, take that as far as I can. If I'm still stuck, then go and say to someone else, this is the problem. This is what I've tried so far. These are the results I've got. This is the problem that still remains. Is there anything else I can do? Then we can have a conversation. Because otherwise, if I yield to the temptation to get in there and fix someone who does, hasn't done their homework, so someone who isn't working to the level they're capable of, I'm playing God in their life. I'm taking final responsibility and ultimate authority for their lives, which is just as crazy as failing to take responsibility in my own life. Um, uh, I've got uh, friends who work in... Uh, big complex organisations with, you know, when people say there are lots of politics, what they usually mean, when you get behind that word, what they usually mean is uh, people are not respecting each other's boundaries in the workplace. Whose job is what? And time and time again, I've taken situations with a friend and we've run it through the concepts how would concept one apply to this? How would concept two apply to this? How... And you can diagnose what the problem is and fix what the problem is uh, by looking at the concepts. And it, it, it's always down to, in some way, authority and responsibility not going together. Uh, a standard example is when someone is responsible and accountable for the results of their department but they're not, they don't have the power, they don't have freedom of action, they don't have the authority to get the job done, they're dependent on three other departments which are not cooperating. So they're accountable, but they don't have, you have the responsibility, but not the authority. Or you have a loose cannon who's going around telling people what to do, but is not carrying the can for the results. And that's dangerous because there's no feedback mechanism to get the person to come in line. If their decisions are wrong, they don't have to pay the price, so they don't get to fix their own decision-making. And it's a very good framework for solving what is going on. Um, some other very simple examples. Uh, I like concept three a lot, which is uh, if I'm an officer doing service, you tell me what to what to do in terms of what output you would want. What do you want me to deliver back to you? And once we've agreed that, you leave me alone. <laughs> and I get to figure out how to do that in the way that works best for me. And then I deliver it back. And I've discovered my uh, 
growing up in a, a household affected by alcoholism, everyone was up in each other's business. And I work for lots of different agencies and I've discovered where there is a problem with boundaries uh, or where I feel instinctively disinclined to work for an agency, it is always because there are boundary problems and almost always there is excessive interference in how I do the job, but I am responsible for the results. So I'm given really bad, I'm responsible for the output, but I'm being given really bad input or I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. I've got to use this glossary. I've got to refer to that. I don't have a free, I don't have a free hand. I don't have the power to do what I need to do to produce the good final result. And the amazing thing is, uh, some organisations I work for are very, very healthy. Others are very, very unhealthy. If they're unhealthy in one way, they're usually unhealthy in all ways. If they're healthy in one way, they're usually healthy in all ways. And I'll give you an example of the unhealthy one. There was an agency I was trying out and uh, I did a piece of work and it got reviewed by someone else and the someone else gave some incredibly broad and vague and unsubstantiated feedback which I couldn't see any basis for it, negative feedback. And the agency passed it straight through to me, said, can you comment on this? They didn't do any assessment on the way through, they didn't filter it. They just made me do extra work to respond to some very bizarre incoming criticism. Same agency, I had a job due at five o'clock and at quarter to five, I got an angry email saying, uh, where is the job? Why hasn't it been delivered? The client is waiting. The client is waiting. Either the client is angry with us, so the client is angry with you and it's your fault. But the deadline was five. It was quarter to five. The job was ready to go. I was just about to deliver it. Tricky. Lack of boundaries. Uh, and by contrast, there's another agency I work for where... Uh, they asked for my, they asked, and I worked for them for a very long time, they asked for my CV, like my resume, and I sent it through. I said, why are you working for you for 20 years? They said, oh, we had a client question some of your work and we quietly got a second opinion and we've decided we trust you and we're going to tell the client, we trust our translator. Here is the CV you decide. I was, they defended me. And they have never, ever interfered with anything I do. They trust me. And this is the concept in action. And it was only recently I realised that the reason I'm instinctively averse to working for certain types of people, certain types of organisation, is because they reflect the lack of boundaries that in the household I grew up in and in other environments I grew up in. And uh, I don't have to be uh, a slave anymore. I don't have to be a puppet anymore. I don't have, as Mary Oliver says, um, I'm going to misquote this, but there's a poem where she writes about, I think it's called Wild Geese 
where she talks about you do not have to crawl on your knees in the desert a hundred miles repenting. You just, uh, something like let your body love what it loves, just relax into the universe. Um, And what the concepts do in a well-functioning AA structure is allow decisions to be made over here, actions to be quietly performed over here, reporting back to the commissioning authority over here, a discussion about the output. All, there's a place for every type of discussion and action and everyone knows where the roles are and where the boundaries are, which is why the concepts are so sane. Uh, there's, there's one other uh, point I can think of uh, off the top of my head. I mean, there are, there are lots of others. If I was doing a, a whole day on this specific thing, I, I could pull out some more examples. But um, So my mother is in her 90s and decisions have to be made on a regular basis. And I make those decisions with uh, uh, my other half, who's very, very good with my mother. But my other half recognises that it's my mother, not his mother. So the final decision rests with me. And this is a perfect example. And there have other, been other decisions as well. So the, the flat I live in is, I mean, we're married. So technically, in some legal sense, it belongs to both of us. But it's my name on the, on the deed. It's my name on the mortgage. So the decisions about that are made by me. He doesn't interfere in those. But it's, it's, it's the working out of uh, the concept where it says, the, the, the concept um, seven, I think, where, where the, the board really needs to listen to the fellowship and take on board what the fellowship says. But when push comes to shove, the board has the final decision on its legal matters. And it's the same with a number of things. It's the same with things in his life. He will consult me but he has the final decision and I don't get to interfere in that final decision. And sometimes the final decision goes against what I want. So um, it's the combination of the traditions and the concepts together enable me to practice boundaries and understand what those boundaries really mean uh, about decisions, about action, about accountability, about responsibility. Uh, And it's helped understand my instinctive negative reactions to certain situations to understand exactly what is going on here that is bothering me and it is always a boundary thing i'm taking responsibility for you but i'm not taking responsibility for myself i'm not letting you take responsibility for you but i am making you responsible for me so there are four mistakes there and if you're making you have your side so there are eight possible mistakes and endless combinations of those mistakes, very complex situations, I find can be broken down by looking at each person and how those four questions can be answered. I'll repeat those because I can see a couple of little pens going there. Um, The four problems. I don't take responsibility for me. Uh, In other words, I don't take the action I need to take in my life and I won't admit anything is my fault. I do take responsibility for you, uh, which means I put myself in charge and take control and feel guilty 
about your life and embarrassed on your behalf. Um, not letting someone else take responsibility for themselves. That's rather than controlling, that's where I'm mothering. And that's where my mental blank spot as an Al-Anon lives. I won't, I will blind myself to the harm that I'm suffering in a situation because there is some payoff I don't want to let go of. Usually the dream of when I fix this person up, when I fix up the fixer upper, then I'll have this amazing life. So I just have to blind myself to how much suffering I'm going through right now to hold on to the dream of how amazing life will be once I've sorted them out. Not, later, not letting them take responsibility for themselves is not recognizing what is really going on here. Denying, <coughs> covering up, apologizing on people's behalves. My when I heard myself say about a friend who was falling over into his dinner on Valium, I heard myself say to his relatives, he's had a very long week, making excuses on someone else's behalf. And then the last one is getting you to take responsibility for me, making you responsible for f making my decisions, analysing my situations, solving my problem, working out what page of the big book something is on, and then, when I feel bad, it's your fault. Using the phrase, you made me feel, dot, dot, dot. Rather than, I'm responsible for my response to how you behave. Um, and so that combination, the notion of responsibility, and then, uh, and people say about the traditions and the concepts, I don't know anything about them. I don't know how to study them. You can, you can kind of study them. You can read the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. You can read the Al-Anon 12 steps and 12 traditions. There are lots of pamphlets. There are lots of brochures. There are different fellowships which have their literature. But honestly, same with the concepts. I take a situation and simply practice how would this tradition apply? How would that tradition apply? I learn far more through the practical situations than by doing little private traditions groups and little private concepts groups. I've not learned much doing that way. Real life situations is where it's at. Um, we've got 10 minutes left if anyone has any questions. Yes, and we're recording it. Good. So the question, to boil the question down a little bit, is what I heard was about working out where your responsibility starts and where it stops when you're in a unit where everyone is entangled and there are common interests. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a simple answer to that other than practising it. Um, but the, what helps me a lot with that is... Uh, First of all, tradition four. So the, this idea, so each group is autonomous except in as far as it affects other groups or AA as a whole. So I am autonomous. I can do what I want unless it affects another person or affects the household as a whole. So just a very simple example. If I'm going to go on a trip, 
uh, AA or Al-Anon trip, it's going to affect the household. And I ask permission. And permission is always granted. But I don't assume it. I ask it. Um, uh, and a couple of, actually a couple of times it was, we made adjustments to the arrangement. And it, one time it took several weeks before he finally said, yes, I think it's actually, yeah, it's a good idea. Go and do that trip. Um, and what I've had to do with my other half is sit down and actually decide who is responsible for what. Because unless it's spoken about, people can have mismatches of expectations. And part of what I found difficult in recovery is that I wanted to get a system and then stick with it forever and have it never change. Including like with prayer and meditation, with meetings, with daily routine for how I plan the day, for how I balance different areas of my life, for how I thought, once I've got a system, I will stick with the system forever. But it has to constantly change. So there isn't a single answer. It's the same with everything else. You practice and you practice and you practice. So can I, I'm sorry, just would you... Is recording you all right? Yeah. You mentioned the conference meets once a year. Right, but so we're kind of reflecting on biz- monthly business meetings in a sense. Yeah, so the, the 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 intervals don't matter. It's the principle of not talking about and thinking about major things all day long, every day. You know those domestic arguments or domestic situations where you're talking about what to have for dinner, and then five minutes later, one of you has said. You always dot, dot, dot. Or this is just like the time that dot, dot, dot. Now, I'm going to say something which is not conference-approved literature. Barbara Taylor Bradford, who I'm given to understand as a fine authoress, uh, she (laughs) uh, said, if you're having an argument about something, have the argument about the thing you're arguing about. Don't bring everything else into it. So there's a time and a place for everything. Um, With my other half, this is the group conscience. So uh, tradition two and concept two is asking my other half, what would you like me to start doing? What would you like me to stop doing? What would you like me to do differently? And once he said... I get up way before him and I get all my affairs in order at the beginning of the day. And there are going to be things I need him to do or questions I need him to resolve or things I need his input on. He said, I want to stop waking up to a list of questions. Pick your time. And the other thing he said many years ago, I stopped doing this many years ago, he said, I don't want to be bombarded with things you need me to do as soon as I've come in through the door from work. It takes me an hour to decompress. So what I've learned to do is to pick my time for discussing things. So you find a time that works for the person and you do that by saying, when would work for you? When would be a good time to discuss this? And leave it completely open. 
and then, uh, or simply to say, when you're ready to discuss this, let me know. And then six months later, you remind them. <laughs> uh, anything else? Yes. Yeah, um, applying the traditions and concepts into situations where it isn't quite equal, meaning the fellowship is we're all equals, and then we there's a group conscious, we elect, and then there's representatives, but um, situations either work or in families where there's parents and children, and we don't assume, I think, that the children have a sort of equal... Um, abilities and decision making that the parents do. How do we modify the traditions and the concept, applying them in that situation? There, there are two good examples. Uh, there are two good examples of that. The first one is um, uh, with, uh, with children, uh, it's very much the same, a similar situation to having the conference and the board. So the board has legal obligations and it has the final say on the discharge of those legal obligations. You've got a legal and a moral and many other responsibilities towards children, to, to your custodians. It's exactly the same with my elderly mother who's unwell in various ways and not able to make all of her decisions. We try to involve her as much as possible, but there was a point a few years ago where she was going to die if she carried on living where she was living. She needed to move somewhere where she could be safe. And we, as far as she was able, we involved her in that. She was very unwell at the time. We had to make that final decision because we had that responsibility at that practical level. And she got used to the decision. It took a few years for her to get used to the decision, but she now sees that it was the right thing. She was several stone under, underweight. She was a couple of stone underweight, maybe. Um, uh, she, she, she was taking medication at the wrong time. She was taking the sleeping pills in the morning. She never knew what time of day it was. She would leave things on. She started to wander during the day and it would be dark. She'd be in a strange part of London, not knowing where she was in her late 80s. We had to do something. There are points at which you just have to act. And that's in, that's in, in, in concept six and seven, this, this idea of the board has the final legal responsibility. In the workplace, uh, it, it's a, you're on the other side of that, where someone is uh, responsible, uh, has ultimate responsibility over you, um, responsibility and authority over the outcome of a project. You're just the person brought in to perform a particular role. And um, I was talking to someone the other day about, about this, that they, were, they didn't understand why they were under a performance review by their... They're being performance managed by their line manager at work. And it became apparent they were not doing certain things they were asked to do and they were doing certain things they were asked not to do. And I said, how about you just do what you're asked to do? Try that and, for six months and see what happens. See if that solves the problem. Now, there is my... So concept five. I don't always agree with um, how my clients suggest a particular job should be done. 
And I will often push back and say, this is a disaster. This is not going to work. This is ineffective. It's inefficient. It'll cost the client more money. Just no. And this is voicing a minority opinion or maybe being, being the, the participant in the decision making happening at a higher level. And sometimes they take that into account and sometimes they don't. And in service, if I really don't like the group conscience, I can leave. If I really don't like the job that a client offers, I can say after the discussion where they disagree with me, in that case, I won't be available for this. Let me know if anything else comes in. Or I don't agree with how this operation is working at all. I want to work for a different organisation. So there are... You're right. It's 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 not an exact mapping, but I've I've literally never found a work situation, a work problem, which is not solved by systematically going through the concepts and finding which one is out of kilter, and there is always one or more. It's five o'clock. Should we, should we, as uh, as Tom might have said, attempt the serenity prayer, one last time, so. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.